Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Well, I'm going to talk to you today and next week, actually, um, about some, some, some related topics. The title of today's message is the big picture, the bigger picture, excuse me. We like bigger, right? We're in Texas. Everything's bigger in Texas, even the picture. <laughs> so earlier this year, I was talking with a friend, and this friend asked me, Matthew, what, is the, what's, what word has the Lord given you for 2020? And now when they asked it, they didn't mean like what long, prophetic, you know, uh, revelatory thing has God showed you. It literally was one word. What one single word has God given you for this year? You know, I was kind of embarrassed because I hadn't actually asked the Lord for a single word. So I was like, I, I don't know. But then the, the Holy Spirit spoke to me immediately in that conversation. And the word that came to my mind was this. Focus. Focus. I didn't fully know what it meant at the time, but there was a resonation in my spirit that this was from the Lord. I generally knew it was focus on the Lord, focus on what he's doing, and focus on what he's told you to do this year and in this season. Amen? Um, See, the devil's after our focus. He's after our gaze. He wants your eyes fixed on something that doesn't matter as much as the things that's on God's heart. In the world, in the church, and in your life individually. And if the devil can get us distracted from the focus of the Lord, it affects our emotions, it affects our actions, it affects everything that we're doing. Let's give Ray a hand here. You know, this year, there's been a lot of things that have potentially knocked us out of focus from what God is doing, who God is, what he's called you to do in this year. People have looked at the outward circumstances. We're saying things have changed with COVID. A lot of things have changed about how what we are expecting this year. Things with the election, people in the church are saying, what is going on, Lord? Where are you in this? What are you doing What's happening? And, and a lot of, uh, you can tell, those are good questions, but you can tell our focus is off kilter when by the fruit of those questions. Is it producing fear and anxiety? Are you worried about the future? Are you worried about going into 2021? That's when we know we've got to realign, we've got to refocus. So can we do that today? Can we focus on God today and what he's saying and what he's doing? That's what I want to talk about. You know, the church, we, we, we've, we've got to ask these questions to the Lord, but we've got to really get the bigger picture of what God is doing. So, we, so when we focus on these other things, we've got to get back, and when the Word of God says, fix your eyes on who? Jesus. Fix your eyes on who? Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The devil wants us to focus on these other things so that we lose hope, get discouraged, become fearful, and get full of confusion and worry about the future. But Jesus, he sees from a height. Where is Jesus seated? At the right hand of the Father's throne. See, if you haven't, if this is your first time, I'm kind of an interactive preacher here. I'm a call and response kind of guy. When I ask a question, it's typically not a rhetorical question. So I just invite you to speak out loud. Where is Jesus seated, church? 
at the right hand of the Father. That's where we direct our gaze. He sees from a height. He sees what's going on. He sees the bigger picture. And he's got perspective on all these things that are going on. When we focus on him and we focus on what he's focused on, the fruit is going to be peace. The fruit's going to be wisdom to navigate through the storm that we're in. Amen? This bigger picture that Jesus sees from the right hand of the Father, that's what I want to talk to you about today. This is where I want us to focus. So two main questions I'm going to deal with. One mainly today and the next one we'll primarily cover next week. So first of all, what is this bigger picture that God has on his mind? How does it relate to what's happening before our eyes? That's what I want to talk about today. And then, and then after that, which we'll cover more next week, how are we as the church to respond? How is the corporate body of Christ to respond? How are we to pray? How are we to believe? How are we to act in light of this? And how does that affect me as an individual? Okay? So um, my answers to these questions today and next week are going to be pretty simple. Maybe even offensively simple. <laughs> um, but but my, my, I'm intentional in that because God wants us to say, look, in the midst of all this, I want you to think about the basics. I want you to say, keep it stupid, sim- keep it simple, stupid. I don't remember what comes first. You know, <laughs> stupid, simple, keep, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> keep it simple, stupid, you know, whatever. You know, I don't know which, I never know which one's first. But anyway, we're going to keep it pretty simple. Is that okay? Okay, first question for today. What is this bigger picture that God has in mind? How does it relate to what's happening before our eyes? So when we zoom out of our narrow focus of what's in front of us, and we focus on that Revelation chapter 4 throne, him who is seated on a throne, And we ask him, God, what's on your heart for the nations? God, what's on your heart for the church? What's on your heart for America? Here are his primary answers to that, I believe. First of all, God is focused on gathering a great harvest of souls across the nations. Revelation 7, verse 9. You can turn there. We're going to have this on the screen. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. We'll get that up there. It's coming. Okay, I think I'm going to pull it up here. Revelation 7, verse 9. John says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count, from every nation, in all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. And they cry out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Amen. So John sees this in Revelation. He sees a multitude, a vast harvest of souls from every tribe, nation, and tongue. And if you read Revelation chapters 1 through 6, Revelation 1 through 6, you already see a lot of trouble happening in the nations. 
You see wars, you see famines, you see plagues, you see death, and you see the judgment of God falling across the nations. And John is saying, why is this so severe? What's going to happen to the saints? God, what are you doing in the midst of all this? And God says, I'm gathering a harvest of souls from every tribe, nation, and tongue. This harvest of souls came out of the midst of the shaking and the great tribulation that struck in those previous six chapters. In the midst of all this pressure, God, what's on your heart? What are you doing? What do I need to be focused on? Focus on what I'm focusing on, which is a harvest of the nations. Secondly, God is awakening, or God is maturing his bride. Revelation chapter 19, verse 7 to 8. Revelation 19 says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Verse 8. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So we see a bride at the beginning of Revelation, in the midst of the big trouble and the shaking that's happening in the nations, we see that God's heart and God's purpose in it is to have a harvest of souls across the nations. At the end of the book, chapter 19, we see that God is, is, is not only gathering a harvest, but he's maturing a bride, a bride made ready for the coming of her king. Beloved, we've got to remember that Jesus is returning to this earth, and he is returning to this earth for a bride that is ready for him. He is not coming back for a week immature, compromised bride. He is coming back for a bride who is clothed with the righteous acts of the saints. Beloved, it's time for the church to get in alignment with God and say, Lord, you are focused on maturing your bride. I want you to mature me. I want you to mature your church. This is where our prayers and our focus needs to be directed. Amen? So these are God's primary goals. A harvest of souls, and a mature bride. How's God going to get these things? He's shaking the nations. Hebrews 12, 26. God is going to shake everything that can be shaken. And only that which is, cannot be shaken will remain. And we have been given an unshakable kingdom. Therefore, rejoice and let us be glad. Can we praise God that we have a kingdom that's unshakable? Can we praise God that when the nations are being shaken, God is not shaken. And his people are being matured in a way that we will not be shaken. Are we people of the kingdom? The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That is your inheritance, church. And if you're looking at the shaking across the nations and you are being shaken, it's time to refocus. It's time to say, God, what are you doing? He's saying, I am shaking the nations to bring out a great harvest of souls and to mature my bride. How else is God going to accomplish this plan, this heart, this bigger picture on his heart? He's waking up a sleepy church. He's waking up a church in this very nation that has a Laodicean spirit upon it. What is a Laodicean spirit? It's a spirit on the church. This is on Christians. 
that say, I am rich and wealthy and I have need of nothing. I've got all I need. And that there's a complete, it's a complete unawareness of the true condition of their hearts. Jesus very directly confronts the church in Laodicea in Revelation 3 and says, you are poor, wretched, miserable, blind, and naked. And you are neither hot nor cold, and I would vomit you out of my mouth. That doesn't sound very loving, Jesus. You know, Jesus sometimes, he's got a, he doesn't pull punches, guys. You know, I believe in a God of love. We got we to gotta be anchored in that he is rich in mercy. His loving kindness is for thousands of those who love him and obey his commandments, who keep his covenant, that he is slow to anger. He truly is. But he is also the one, Exodus 34, that he judges iniquity and sin. And that he's not okay with the church that's in compromise. You know, we're a, we're, we're a Holy Spirit, Bible-believing, tongue-talking, we-believe-the-word-of-God kind of church. Amen? You're part of that. And I tell you, I believe that there is a remnant in America that their hearts are burning with love for Jesus. I truly believe that. And God is taking that remnant and that fiery burning remnant, and he wants that to spread across this entire church in this nation. But the truth is that many Christians in our very nation have been caught up with this Laodicean spirit. They don't know the condition of their hearts, and they failed to inquire of the Lord of what that condition truly is. They've got the externals. They go to church. They do the things. They may even feed the poor. They may feed the needy in this time, but there's there's things in their own hearts that they haven't allowed the Lord to deal with. They're tangled up in compromise. You know, it's many Christians today that are part of this pro-abortion, pro-LGBT agenda. Many Christians and even pastors and leaders have aligned with this Jezebel spirit in the land. And there are false prophets in the nation that are in alignment with this. God is saying, wake up. Wake up. Look at the condition of your heart. On a more personal level, perhaps even for those that are in a church that praises Jesus and cries out, worthy is the Lamb, and prays and fasts regularly, are we asking the Lord, God, what's the condition of my heart? Search me and know my heart, O God. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. Psalm 139. And lead me in the everlasting way. Those are, that's a good prayer to be asking God right now, by the way. Psalm 139. Search me, O God. You know, and we can tell by the way we're responding to this shaking on what's going on in our heart. Are we fearful? Are we confused? Are we, are we angry? Are we in, and I mean, there's a righteous anger that can rise up in us, but are we, are we lashing out at people that we love and, and lashing out on social media? Beloved, the, the church has got to get a rein on her tongue. God is not interested in our personal opinions right now.
God's not interested in our personal opinions right now. He's really not. He's saying, what do you want to come and inquire before me and see the bigger picture and see what I'm doing in this situation? Through this shaking and through this awakening, there's, there's pressure. There's pressure. And that pressure is the shaking. The pressures that we see externally, that is where God is getting all of these things out of us. And we've got to submit to that process, beloved. We've got to be submitted to God maturing our own hearts in this matter. Revelation 3, 21. You know, God gives a pretty intense rebuke to the Laodicean church in Revelation 3. But he also gives them arguably the greatest promise of any of the other churches he addresses in Revelation 2 and 3. And here it is. He who overcomes, so he who overcomes that Laodicean spirit, that sleepy slumber of heart that is not watching and praying, he says, to him who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Jesus is inviting us to a place of intimacy and authority with God if we will wake up and if we will allow the Lord to cleanse and purify our hearts. God wants to shake us up, wake us up, and take us up. (laughs) Where is he taking us? To his right hand, the throne right next to him as he overcame. He's teaching us to gaze at his beauty, to trust in his leadership right now, and to pray and declare his kingdom, his will on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? But we got to focus. We got to focus on what he's focused on. So let's talk about a couple of these pressures. I I almost just hate talking about COVID because it's all anyone is talking about. So I'm, I'm going to spend just a little bit of time here. Um, but it's it's caused some pressure, and it's perhaps revealed some things in our hearts. It's causing us to ask: Where are we trusting our our physical protection and health? Are we trusting in this information, that information? Are we trusting in the government? Are we trusting in an upcoming vaccine? Which, by the way, has been is in, in already being tested on human beings and causing neurological disorders in some of them. Beloved, don't think that they're not going to come and try to make people take this. We've got to be ready. But it's caused us to ask, I mean, we, we've seen, it's, I mean, it's, it's the typical cold flu season. People are getting sick, and it's, it's maybe at, caused some Christian to ask, what, what's going on, Lord? Why, ha, what happens when a fasting, praying, Jesus-loving person gets sick? Does this mean that the word of God is not true? Does this mean that Psalm 91 is not true, that no plague will come near my tent? Does this mean that the prophetic word is not true? No, it doesn't. It means we keep standing on his word. And there's some basic principles of healing here, beloved. Sometimes there's an immediate recovery. Sometimes there's not. But we keep standing on the word. You know, just a few days actually before my daughter was born. She was born on November 8th. Praise God. You'll meet her shortly. That'll shake things up in your life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I started getting a headache sinus issues I started not feeling good I was like crud 
my daughter's due in a week. And it did scare me, I'm not going to lie. Now, I wasn't scared that I had COVID. I actually got a test just to make sure because I was like, I got to get in the hospital here. I got to get into the delivery room. And I've got to make sure they're going to let me in. So I'm praying and I'm doing what the Bible says where you, you know, you call the elders and the leaders of the church and have them pray over you. You know, that's biblical to have the church pray for you if you're sick. <laughs> um, and I mean, I was sitting down, and I was praying with Tracy and she, she looked at me in the eyes and she just said, this is not going to keep you from seeing your daughter born. And I mean, I just broke down and I just, the Lord was revealing this issue in my heart. Um, COVID test came back negative, but even after that, I was like, are they going to let me in? But, but she dealt with that. The word of God came in sharper than any two-edged sword, and it cut between soul and spirit. It divided joint and marrow. It judged the thoughts and intents of my heart. The word of God came in and said, Matthew, you're believing a lie, and I want to deal with that right now. And God dealt with it. <laughs> and I went in, and I saw my daughter born, and most of my symptoms were completely gone by that time. Okay? We thank God. Thank you for your word. And beloved, I want to say we, we got to wrestle out this doubt, fear, and unbelief that comes up in these situations. This, we, th- these questions are real. David poured out his heart to the Lord. There's one of the Psalms, I don't remember which one, but by the sons of Korah, I mean, half of the Psalm is God hears your promise about the descendant of David reigning in righteousness and justice on his throne. And I mean, you, you read half of it and you're like, man, this guy was in a good mood. But then it shifts and it says, God, where is this promise? <laughs> How long, O Lord, until this word comes true? And he's wrestling it out. And beloved, I think that there's room for that. That's why there's a prayer room in here, by the way. You know how many tears and, and, and I was going to say snot. It's true. It is. We clean the place, I promise. But, um, it's, uh, but I mean, you're getting delivered here in prayer. You're getting delivered when you wrestle out. It's, it's when we're focused on only, ah, what's going on? What's happening? Why is this happening? And we don't really take it honestly to the Lord and get refocused. God, help me recenter and refocus. We're going to walk in fear and confusion. But that's not your inheritance. Wrestle it out. Call people. If you are sick, call them. Call the church. We'll pray for you. I want to say this too. We need to be careful about trying to blow up how awful or demonic COVID is. It's, it's not fun. And there's a range. Some people get it and they have almost no symptoms and they recover within a day or two. There's others that it, go, it drags out for two, three, four weeks and it's just, it's very difficult for them. There are some that are immunocompromised and it's particularly dangerous for them. Beloved, but I just, I want to bring us, and I don't want to downplay any of that, that range, but let's just, let's just get some facts here. It's a man-made disease, and it is demonically charged, especially with fear. Um, but, but, but that means it's time to declare with our mouths, Jesus seated on the throne that's higher than every name that is named, including COVID. Amen? We praise and we exalt the King of Kings. We focus on him and what he's doing. So, beloved, that's the truth. And just the facts are, this is on the CDC website. I've got the link. You can find it. The survival rate for those who get COVID, age 0 to 19, 99.997%. 
20 to 49, 99.98%. 50 to 69, 99.5%. 70 plus, 94.6%. We're in a very high percentile for every single age group. And there are those we want to protect. There's those that we want to be considerate of. They're particularly vulnerable that we want to pray for. I don't want to downplay that, but guys, this is, if God, Jesus said that there will be plagues and famines in the earth. And before the Lord returns, things are going to heat up. God's training us right now with a 99% recovery rate plague. Beloved, hear my heart here. If you've experienced loss, if you've lost loved ones, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, my heart grieves with you. If it's affected you and it's, it's depressed you, it's weighed you down, we want to pray for you. If it's affected you in any way. But, beloved, we've, we've got to be the army of God here. We've got to get back in Psalm 91 and keep declaring it. We've got to thank him for his word. We've got to thank him for every little improvement. We've got to thank him as in testify as things are getting better for us physically. Amen? The election. What's going on? God, what are you doing? You know what he's saying? I'm shaking everything that can be shaken. I am gathering a harvest of souls and I'm maturing my bride. You know how I'm going to do that? I'm going to shake things up in the earth. I'm going to wake up my church from this Laodicean spirit. I'm going to teach them to pray. I'm going to teach them to believe. I'm going to teach them to stand on my word. And I'm going to teach them to trust my leadership when they don't know what's going on. That's what God is doing right now. And beloved, we, we, there's going to be pressure in these coming months. I want us to be careful here about declaring an outcome based on what the press and what the media has said. Let's think hypothetically for a moment. Not prophetically, hypothetically. Pressure will come either outcome. If Biden, hypothetically, not prophetically, comes in, we're risking advancement of a radical leftist agenda that would likely include a significant loss in religious liberties, the spread of a feminist LGBTQ agenda where this is being taught in schools and kids are being allowed to um, take medication because they feel like they're a different sex, a different gender. And presidential support of pro-abortion legislation. In the city of Washington, D.C., in this past month, they passed, a, for the city, not for the nation, they passed a bill that allows 11-year-olds to take a vac, to consent to taking a vaccine without knowledge of their parents. Gotta wake up, church. Time to pray. Hypothetically, if Trump were to win out, what do we risk? Violence, riots in the streets. There's all these things that we're hearing, wars and rumors of wars. But what does Jesus say? Do not be troubled. Do not be troubled. And I believe in, in declaring and praying mercy over America. I believe in praying over specific outcomes. But pressure is coming to this nation. 
Pressure is coming to the church and he is maturing his bride and he's gathering a harvest of souls in the midst of that. Amen? So, in summary, we've got to continue to pray these main issues on the heart of God. What are those? Father, send laborers into the harvest. Gather that billion souls, God. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Purify your bride, make her holy in love. You know, there's some, uh, as, as, as Mike Bickle has said even this past week, there's some 25 apostolic prayers in the New Testament. You know what the primary topic of those apostolic prayers are? We've got a list of them right at the end of the table. It's for the church. It's for the church to grow in a spirit of wisdom and revelation. It's for the church to grow and mature in love. It's for the church to preach the gospel with power. That is the primary issue on God's heart, on earth as it is in heaven. And we are to inquire of the Lord on how to pray more specifically, but I'm, I'm taking us back to some basics here. Is that okay? These things are creating pressure. And we're to focus on what God's focused on. I'm going to close with just three ways to respond here. And we're going to spend more time on these things next week. How are we to respond to this bigger picture of God gathering in a harvest of souls, of maturing his bride, of shaking the nations and waking up his sleepy church? How, how, are, we, how are we going to respond? First of all, we're to stay focused on Jesus and on this bigger picture. No matter what we're seeing with our eyes, we've got to stay focused on Jesus. We've got to stay focused on what's on his heart. And we've got to pray accordingly. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. Those whose minds are steadfast will be kept in perfect peace. That's where God wants us. Secondly, we've got to allow the Lord to purge us of whatever's coming up in our hearts. Is there fear? Is there anxiety? Is there worry about the future? Let the Lord deal with it. Wrestle it out with God. Get in the word. Tell your friends, hey, I'm just having struggle believing today, this week. And get them a line and the word of the Lord will come and that lie will pop right up to the surface real quick. Especially get around someone real prophetic like Tracy Eckert. Um, <laughs> it all just comes up, you know. <laughs> all things are laid bare before the Lord. So um, we want that. Lay aside compromise. This is the time God searched my heart. Don't let those little things keep you and rob you of your inheritance to sit with Jesus at his throne, to enjoy that level of intimacy and authority. And then finally, we've got to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. David, when everything went wrong in his life, all of his friends even turned against him. It says he strengthened himself in the Lord. He poured out his heart to God. He praised God. He stood on the word of the Lord. I mean, the Psalms, you know, the fruit of his strengthening himself in the Lord and responding in that pressure was the book of Psalms. And that's what God wants to pour out of our hearts. Declare the word of God over yourself. Pray in tongues and stay around God's people. We're going to talk more about these next week. Let's stand. Can we realign our focus today, church? 
Can we look back at Jesus and what he's doing? As we look at, as we see what's going on in the world around us, can we say, Jesus, your heart is to gather a harvest of souls in the nations. Your heart is to mature your bride. I want to take a moment to pray for the church, global, and for us individually in this room. Is that okay? Will you pray with me? Can we get some instrumental music going on? We want to pray according to God's heart. Here's the word of the Lord for the church today, I believe, in the midst of what's going on right now. I believe the Lord is saying, I am waking up my sleepy, lukewarm church. I am teaching her to trust my leadership and to walk in my authority. Those who respond will arise and shine, and they will rule with me now and in eternity. Can we just lift up our hands as an act of surrender to the Lord? Father, we want to surrender to what you're doing. God, I pray that you help us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I ask, God, that you would set in our hearts the joy that's set before you. That joy of redemption of people from every tribe, nation, and tongue. That joy of a bride made ready for her king. And that wedding supper of the Lamb that's coming. Father, we ask for a great harvest of souls across the nation. Pray with me right now, church. Lift up your own voice. We ask God for a harvest of souls. We ask God for you to send laborers into the harvest field. Come on, church. You're not just a spectator. You are kings and priests to God. Let's cry out to him now. Father, send your word. Let it go forth like fire in the nations. God, we ask for a harvest of souls in America. We ask for billions of souls from every tribe, nation, and tongue to come in the midst of this pressure. God, send revival to America. God, send revival to the nations. Father, awaken your sleeping church. Awaken your sleeping church. Break off this Laodicean spirit, God. Fix our eyes on your son. God, wake us up. Wake us up. Wake us up. Ask him now, church. Wake me up, God. Wake me up, God. Wake up the church in America. Wake us up. Come on, church. I'm asking you to pray with me now. I'm asking you to lift up your voice. Lift up your own voice to God. Father, wake us up. Wake us up. Wake us up. Wake us up. Wake up my heart, God. Burn away all compromise. Burn away all fear and anxiety and unbelief right now in Jesus' name. Stay focused, stay engaged for just a few moments here. Stay focused, stay engaged. You can pray in the spirit. Okay, last couple of days I've just been seeing um, the void in the inner man. I've been seeing dark waters, deep dark waters. If you can feel a void, 
I feel like the Lord wants to speak to his beloved this morning because I think we're feeling a void. A lot of the props have been removed. Even as you Christmas shop, it's like these things don't really matter as much as they used to. You're feeling a void. And I just sense the Lord, almost Genesis 1, just brooding over the waters of his church. And it's a deep calling to deep. And the, the inclination is to fill the void because we don't feel anchored. Even at the, the office, I'm getting emails from my benefits department that says, if you're uncertain about your future, let's fix your 401k. And I'm like, that's not going to solidify me. That's not going to anchor me. You feel this sense of a free fall, this sense of a void. And the Lord wants to say today, I'm doing a new thing in you. I'm creating something new in my church. I'm creating a fiery bride. And this is a season where there is a sense of a the hovering over the waters of your soul. He knows your soul. It's as deep calls to deep today. He's calling to those deep waters of your soul and saying, let me create something new, a, a generation of a fiery bride. Last week, Tracy talked about the, the revolutionaries of America. He's going to do it again. He's going to create in you circuit riders, messengers, revolutionaries, but there has to be a chemical transformation, a physical transformation by the Spirit of God in your inner man. And we're crying out for it. And Matthew's talking about focus right now. Don't lose your focus and feel that void and say, I want to fill it with things. Like, let me go buy something. Let me go do something. Let me go find something. Let the Holy Spirit hover over the waters of your soul in this season. But because he's saying, I'm hovering. I'm going to speak light into your soul. I'm going to speak to those waters, and I'm going to begin to create something new for his bride He's transitioning us into an end time army. And he's making you ready and prepared for fire. Ready and prepared for boldness. He's going to bring martyrs out of this season. He's going to bring those that will, will take it to the end. You're going to see the end out of this season because he's transforming your inner man. Let me just pray that over you. God, I, I ask that you would hover over the deep right now in our soul. Hover over the void. God, would you create a container for your fire? Would you begin to create your end time temple right here? Because we're your temple, God. Begin to give us the resources, God. Physical, spiritual, natural resources, God, for this new journey that we're on, this place of a new creation that you're taking your bride. God, fill us right now with readiness. Give us a yes in our spirit and not fear that we're in the wrong place at the wrong time. We can't anchor. We don't know where our future is. But a solidifying right now that you are in the season of a new creation in us. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Just want to close with just doing a little bit of business for the Lord too. Perhaps some bad juice has come up as we've been squeezed in this pressure. Okay? 
I just want to tell you, the Lord says, I rebuke and chasten those whom I love. Okay? So we're going to do some repentance. If you've had, if fear, anxiety, confusion has taken you in the midst of these external pressures, we're going to raise our hands. If that's you, it doesn't have to be you, but if it is you, be honest. And we're just, I'm going to lead you through a prayer of repentance and confession to the Lord right now, okay? So if you'll pray after me, it's important it's in your own words. I can't repent for you. I can help you, but you've got to do it with your own mouth. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that you are God of mercy. Thank you that you rebuke and chasten those whom you love. And I thank you for bringing out this junk in my heart, Lord. And I repent right now of fear, of anxiety, of worry, in Jesus' name. Deliver me of fear, anxiety, and worry. Fill my heart with hope. Thank you that you work all things together for my good. And fill me with your peace, Father. I trust you with my family. I trust you with my job. I trust you with my future. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.